let's get up to date with the SAP Cloud Platform SDK for iOS. Hi, I'm Ian Thane. That was a long intro. And I'm really pleased to have an old friend of mine from pre-SAP days, going back to Sybase days, uh, but let's not dead ourselves too much. Stan Sadelman, thank you for joining me. Hey, good to see you. But let's talk about something really new. And when we're recording this, we've actually just made an announcement of version five of, as I said, the SAP Cloud Platform SDK for iOS. So that's uh, that's something. How long since the last release, Stan? So this is uh, unusual. So our last major release was actually version four in September of 2019. And ordinarily, we would bump the major versions annually mm -hmm. um, to line up with the iOS major version updates. Um, but in this case, um, we had to make some changes to our platform support matrix. Okay. Um, and and we can go into the details yeah, of that in a moment. Sure. Well, there's um, lots of interesting stuff. I mean, uh, straight away, I'm thinking, casting my back, my mind back to a WWDC of, I think, maybe two years ago now, where they, where they, I don't know whether they alluded to a name Marzipan or whether they ever said Marzipan was the real name, but it comes through to something called Catalyst. And Stan, we've got Catalyst support. So what does that mean for our developers? We do. So it means that you can take your existing applications that target iOS and iPad uh, platform and also build and deploy them as native Mac applications to Mac OS machines. So this is, this is actually quite, I think it was something that uh, before, uh, um, before our previous CEO left, he actually, they, they were sort of an agreement that we would go down that route and actually bring SAP technology to Mac OS. So this is actually the fruition of, of that actually happening. Yeah, at Sapphire 2019, um, we had Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, on stage with Bill McDermott, the SAP CEO. Um, and Bill committed that SAP would run on Mac OS. Mm -hmm. um, and this product is really core because it allows us to develop um, both our SAP-delivered standard uh, Apple platform applications to Mac mm -hmm. um, and also for our partners and customers to take existing applications and expand their addressable device reach Mm -hmm. um, and also develop just net native uh, applications for Mac. Okay, I mean, I'm sure the questions I have for you, we can go into other code talks about them, but don't just go, go still staying on the idea of the catalyst support. I mean, can you at this moment gauge how much effort it is to take something like a, an iOS uh, SD, uh, SDK app, um, you know, the SAP Cloud Platform SDK, to something like Mac OS? Is it, is it just a matter of point and click? I'm sure it's not gonna be a matter of total point and click, but how much uh, effort is it? It is pretty close. Um, and that's been Apple's positioning of this uh, feature for a while. Really, the, the key here is that Mac OS development has always uh, been app kit based mm -hmm. at the UI level versus UI kit. Mm -hmm. um, even though the core foundation APIs string handling, attributed text, et cetera, has always been pretty common between the two platforms. Mm -hmm. um, the actual UI components have been unique for each of the platforms. And so for me, the real, um, 
the real key takeaway from this is that you have a much broader set of iOS UI kit developers than you do app yeah. kit developers. And so this really allows um, those UI kit developers to, to target this new platform. And that comes with a few um, trade-offs that are really interesting as an iOS developer, as I've been getting familiar with taking the Cloud Platform SDK for iOS Fiori components mm -hmm. and, and using them in Catalyst applications. For me, the really amazing thing is the screen dimensions. So we've been so, so accustomed to being forced into this compact regular paradigm and dealing with the specific, um, especially iPad um, screen constraints. And you know, the ability to have scalable windows um, and menu items mm -hmm. um, that can be added specific for the Mac OS build or the Catalyst build, um, it's, it really opens up some opportunities. It's a very nice, nice experience. So I'm a little bit naive at that because this is so new. This is like within the last few hours, you know, we've announced it uh, uh, really sort of uh, well publicly across, uh, you know, uh, across the, the wire. Um, but what happens with regard to um, Fiori for iOS? You know, is it, is it just another flavor? Are, they, are, 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 the, are these controls adaptable? You know, how does that work? So all of the Fiori for iOS components have been scalable. So we've had adaptations for the compact and regular um, trait, horizontal and vertical traits. Um, and those apply on the Mac as well. So most of the components will behave in regular mode. Um, in certain um, narrow uh, screen profiles, they'll uh, contract to compact mode also. Um, at this point, um, we're doing a one-to-one -one where the existing iOS features behave the same on Mac. Um, we'll see how it evolves, whether or not we add Mac specific elements or variants. Next thing I've got written down in front of me is module stability. So, uh, so any Swift developer um, who has consumed third-party dependencies over the history of the platform has at some point, I would imagine, encountered the issue of dealing with the binary that was compiled with an older version of Xcode. Um, and this would happen whenever, for most Xcode patches, whenever Xcode betas came out, uh, the compilers did not maintain either binary interface compatibility or module interface compatibility. Um, and so last year, um, the Swift team accomplished ABI compatibility. Um, and in Swift 5.1, they accomplished module stability. And so what this means is that um, there is an additional interface file which is generated for the module, which has a uh, forward compatibility constraint. So that in principle, you should be able to compile a Swift module on version zero of the Swift compiler embedded in Xcode and then use that compiled binary in projects that are being compiled with Xcode version one, two, three, four going future. Um, so this is a huge thing for us because it means that we don't need to provide a patch for the SDK every time that Xcode is released. Um, and yeah, and that, that will be a huge benefit to developers and, and our CI team alike. It does have a limitation. So let me go into the reason why we bumped the major version to 5.0. And that is that it is only supported for iOS 13 and forward. 
So SAP generally has maintained what we call an N minus one operating system support matrix, whereby we support the current version of iOS and the previous. Um, and this is in general uh, acceptable to the, to the customer base because such a high percentage of devices are on are within those those two versions. Um, it's also in a lot of cases necessary because jailbreak break protection and security updates are always going into the head of the operating system platform. Yeah. Um, and so it's really strongly encouraged uh, across the board that uh, customers uh, use MDM or policies to um, guide their end users to be on current versions of iOS. Um, now, with the module stability, um, this has dependencies on the Objective-C runtime for Objective-C compatibility mm -hmm. that are not backported to iOS 12. So it became a very straightforward um, trade-off to say, for us to use module stability, which is a requirement for um, XC frameworks, which are, in, for all intents and purposes, necessary for Catalyst, we needed to drop support for iOS 12 uh, for the version of the SDK that would support Catalyst. So the key here is that version 5.0 supports Xcode, or excuse me, Mac OS 10, 15, 3 and higher, mm -hmm. and iOS 13 and higher. Um, in September, when iOS 14 is available, we'll then add that N minus 1 and continue N minus 1 on this code line going forward. Um, the 4.0 code line, um, because it has support for iOS 12, does not include the module stability support and will not because of this backwards requirement um, consideration. So we will continue to maintain the 4.x code line and release patches on it. Um, a few features will be downported from the 5.0 code line to the 4.0 through September, which would have been our current plan or current plan had we remained on one code line. Um, but we do really do recommend that customers and partners adopt the 5.0 code line since that will be the head of our development. How do developers actually migrate their apps to support Catalyst? Uh, there is literally a checkbox in the build settings where under- You haven't made it that easy, come on. <laughs> well, so this is, this is app, well, so, so Xcode introduces this checkbox. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that's fine. It'll generate then uh, generate the settings for the provisioning profile and distribution profile. So for the SDK, for the SAP SDK, there are a few, couple steps that developers need to do. One, they need to enable keychain support. Mm -hmm. um, and this is because we use keychain for the credentials um, that, that users might be persisting for OAuth tokens or settings. Um, and in order for that to be enabled, they need to add the keychain sharing capability uh, to their application. And so this is a standard thing in the, in the signing and capabilities tab of the build settings. They would go in, pick keychain sharing, name, the, name their group. They do not need to practically share the contents of the keychain with any other applications, um, but this is the semantic of the feature. Um, the other thing that they need to do is they need to assign a provisioning profile and a signing certificate that will be used to re-sign the SAP binaries um, so that the hardened runtime uh, capability of Mac OS 
will will accept the the binaries okay. um, and this appears to be a requirement of the keychain sharing is kind of what we we seem to understand um, and so um, there is a script that we provide that you attach into your projects um, build phases um, and and it will take the signing certificate that you're using for the build and execute that signature um, that code sign command across uh, our binaries as well. Um, so from there, then it then it's really build and run. I do know, Stan. Actually, you've got a couple of blogs, and I think uh, one of them is specifically about that last thing you you mentioned. So, uh, thank you so much for joining me. As I say, I'm really hoping that we'll have you back because I always love speaking to you. Thanks for having me. <laughs>